Welcome in the latest episode of Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. You can find us on your favorite podcast app. Perhaps you have already done that, so make sure that you subscribe wherever that is. Also, check us out on the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. Download the Dash Radio app for free on your phone. Search for Nothing But Net, and there you'll be able to get us every day, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. Pacific. Also, check out FiveReasonSports.com. Spell it out, F-I-V-E. ReasonSports.com for all of the latest South Florida sports content without a paywall. We don't charge you to subscribe there in any way. And we post up between, yeah, I don't know, five to 10 stories a day um, on not just on the Heat, but also on the Marlins, the Hurricanes, Inner Miami, the Panthers, the Dolphins, and much more. Also, our YouTube channel just went over 6,000 subscribers today. Plenty of new programs that are going on there, including playing catch up, which you can catch every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday with Kylie Wang and also with Tamara Brown. Also, check out the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network. This has been one of our most loyal sponsors. It's the law firm of Seltzer Mayberg. If you've had a car accident or a slip and fall, if you were hurt as a result of someone else's negligence, make sure you give the attorneys at Seltzer Mayberg a call. They're available 24-7 every day at onecalllegal.com. That's O-N-E, calllegal.com, or you can call one 855 5,000 law. That's one 5000 law with a centralized office located right off I-95 in North Miami. They're ready to take on your case, whether it's in South Florida or anywhere else in the state. So check out the law firm of Seltzer Mayberg again, 24 seven, one call legal.com one 5000 L A W. And now today's episode. One, two, three, four, five. On the floor. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick with Alphonse Sidney, Alex Toledo, and Greg Sylvander, part of the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back on Five on the Floor. Make sure you check out the episode that Alex Toledo and I did with George Sedano of ESPN going through the narratives of the NBA Finals. Also, our post-game episode the other day after Game 6 against the Boston Celtics, where Alex and I were joined by Greg Sylvander. Today, the floor plan, we're joined by Nikias Duncan. You can find him now at Basketball News. Also, uh, he's been a regular on Miami Heat Beat for years and also checks in with us here from time to time. We're going to do kind of a fun exercise here. I'm going to let the two of them geek it up a little bit on strategy, I promise. But I want to get to uh, something that I, I didn't even realize J.J. Redick did, I guess, on his uh, podcast, which um, is a pretty great podcast. Actually, you should check that out. Uh, but I just put it out there on Twitter that kind of once you get past the top two players in this series, which I think every you know sane basketball fan would say is LeBron James and Anthony Davis in some order, when you get beyond that, I think you can make a case that the Miami Heat have more of the other good players in this series and a pretty strong majority of them, actually. And, and that's why I think this series is getting some comparisons to the 2004 series with the Detroit Pistons against the Los Angeles Lakers, which were a really top-heavy team. And another one that I sort of thought of, which I'm sure others have, which is the 2011 series between the Heat and the Mavericks, where the Heat were the big favorites with you know, arguably three of the top four players. But if you went down the rosters beyond that, with apologies to Mario Chalmers, who wasn't even starting in that series at the beginning – uh, you could argue that Dallas had more of the good players after that. And as we know, they ultimately won the series. So let's get to it. We're going to draft this thing. 
And I'll start with you, Nikias. First thing, who would be one? Who, who is playing the best right now? Is it Anthony Davis or is it LeBron James? Uh, that's actually tough, which I think is a testament to how good Anthony Davis has been. Um, I would still give the edge to LeBron just for what he does as a playmaker. Um, Anthony Davis has been he's the better overall defender, but LeBron has been kind of terrifying on that end as well. Um, he's definitely tapped in to at least um, a higher level of effort. And the IQ has always been there. The off-ball instincts have always been there. And he's shown that, you know, in a pinch, he can still guard of a lot of different types of players in a pinch. Um, so I'll take the Jamal Murray assignment late in games in the Western Conference Finals. Um, so I think it's still LeBron, but Anthony Davis has been incredible on both ends. What do you think, Alex? Can you make a case for AD? Oh, yeah, you could definitely make a case for AD. The way that he's played in the playoffs uh, throughout all of this, he's been absolutely dominant. But again, I think all of that comes at the hands of LeBron. And I, I understand how great Anthony Davis is. I just think LeBron is kind of the catalyst for everything that happens and the catalyst for AD success, the, the biggest reason they're in the finals now, even though, you know, the Lakers didn't make it to the playoffs last year. Uh, <laughs> it's still LeBron number one for me, for sure. All right, so if we're going to make that argument, and, and I, I'd have to say LeBron also just based on track record and kind of the way that he finished that series. And AD had a couple of sort of down games during the playoffs, although I, th I do think his – I think you can make an argument his peaks in the playoffs may have been actually higher than LeBron's. Um, it just wasn't every game. So, I, look, until AD does mm -hmm. this consistently over the, over the course of time the way LeBron has, I'm still going to give the edge to LeBron. But let's go through the rest of the list now, and I think this is where it gets a little bit complicated because I don't know necessarily that we're all going to agree on who the best player on the Miami Heat is right now. The best player in the last series, I would argue, is Bam Adebayo. I mean, not only did he do all the other things and lead in virtually every category, whether it was rebounds, assists, et cetera, he also led in points, which is not something I thought that uh, we, would that we anticipated. And obviously everything else he did defensively, whether it was the big block or just the way that uh, he blew up Boston's offense at times. So I'll go to both of you guys on this. Is it Bam or is it Jimmy? I think it's Bam. Um, I actually think Bam has been Miami's best player this season. Um, I'm not sure how hot of a take that is. And it probably is probably, it'll probably be better received now after the series that Bam just had in the East Conference Finals and how he kind of left his imprint on the floor and on the times that he was off um, Miami didn't look like a playoff team, much less a team that was going to make its way to the NBA Finals. Um, Bam's consistent impact has been apparent all year long. Again, has been trusted with more on-ball reps offensively, running the offense through him, um, through the high elbow. Um, fantastic as a roller, fantastic as a passer. Um, the mid-range jumper is coming along. That's been a very welcome development in his game. He's become more confident attacking smaller players something that I had doubts about coming into these, the conference finals. Um, and then what he does on the defensive end is just incredible. Um, allows Miami to go through a lot of different coverages, can play drop if they need to, can switch if they need to, can go to the zone if they need to, 2-3 two, or 3-2. He can kind of operate at the top of the zone um, just for his length and mobility, can operate at the bottom to clean up messes and clean the glass. He just does so much. And he, I mean, like we saw in the Boston series, like he coming into that series, he was the one guy for Miami that had a legit physical advantage um, at a position. And he dominated that matchup to the point to where it swung the series for Miami. So I think Bam 
has kind of proven it all year long, but the Eastern Conference Finals kind of put a stamp. Yeah, so I'm going to go with the same. I think this team getting to this point has been, I think the biggest reason for this has been Bam being who he's been, right? And I think he's even taken a leap since the season was suspended because I think we all know how important he was all season to the Heat. And, you know, we were kind of going back and forth all year on who's 1A and who's 1B. And this playoff run has absolutely made me think that Bam is the key to them reaching the ultimate pinnacles of success because Jimmy Butler is maybe the most steady, the most, you know, you know game to game, the guy who's going to give you pretty much the same production every time. He's going to give you some stretches where he's more aggressive than others. He's going to play defense all game. He's going to facilitate everything. He's going to attack the basket. He's going to find the shooters. But at the end of the day, the offense isn't elite without Bam doing what he does. The defense isn't, you know, the level that it's been at in this playoff run without Bam doing what he does. I think he is just so important to just everything they do. And I've sounded like a broken record on him all season, but I, I just like his importance to the team just keeps growing too, is a thing. It's like, it's just like as the series pass by, the importance keeps growing. So I think if they really want a shot at the Lakers, at beating the Lakers, Bam needs to be their best player, just like he was against the Celtics. Is there any argument then that if we're going to say that Bam is their most important player right now, that Jimmy is next? No doubt. It's definitely Jimmy. After that, it's definitely Jimmy. I just, uh, Jimmy needs to be, you know, I think he needs to be the best version of himself for the Heat to win this. I think he he needs to, you know, maybe stop picking his spots at the level that he's been doing so much, right? Like he, he is really aggressive in, in, in picking his spots and not being aggressive the whole game offensively I think we're going to need a little bit more aggression there other than that I trust Jimmy to, to, to pretty much give you the same production that he always does he, he he'll step it up in the playoffs he steps up the intensity I can't wait to see what finals Jimmy is like we've obviously never seen that before I know he wants it just as bad as anybody else I know he's empowering this team to you know want it really bad I, I can't wait to see what that looks like and honestly man would this be the series where Jimmy finally like kind of steps up as that as that scoring that scoring threat I don't know but I do think that would absolutely help even if the you know we saw those stats all year about them winning more games the less he scored but against this type of team where LeBron and AD I mean a team that good at defense where it's going to come down to the fourth quarters a lot and who makes the plays I think we're going to need some alpha Jimmy for sure. Nikaias does he need to be more aggressive from the jump offensively does it matter in this series? Uh, yes, I think so. Um, the Lakers are not a good team in the half court, and but they are devastating in transition. I think it's going to be imperative that Miami keeps this game, keeps games at like a snail's pace, kind of grounded out in the half court because they have more options in the half court. They obviously have their dribble handoff stuff, they um, can cycle through different pick and rolls, they kind of into the ball, into the post, and just go through this list of cuts. They have more ways to score in the half court than the Lakers do, even though the Lakers have the two better players in the series. So I think it's going to be up to – I think it's going to be a pair of Jimmy kind of – he has to get downhill to get to the line, kind of keep the game slow. Um, Lakers have good defenders. They don't have defenders to the – perimeter defenders to the level that the Celtics had. So in a way, it can be a, a slightly easier matchup for Jimmy especially if they uh, they go to some areas where they're like using Goran as a, as a screener to kind of get Jimmy downhill, get him attacking against a KCP or Danny Green. Um, they don't have the length that a Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown had, or even just the, the on ball, the physicality that a Marcus Smart had. So I think there are going to be opportunities for Jimmy to be more aggressive, get downhill and keep the pace down. I think that's going to be a huge key for Miami. 
All right, so we're all in agreement right now, okay? The Lakers have the two best players in the series. The Heat have the next two best players in the series. Is there any argument that can be made any other way? I don't think so, but what I will say is that I think the gap has shortened ever since, the, you know, kind of the whole regular season. I would say the gap between LeBron and AD and their effectiveness and Jimmy and Bam has, has shortened with what we've seen in these playoffs. Like, I think Bam uh, – I, I don't know where you stand on this, Nikaias, but I think Bam is kind of – uh, in that echelon now where I would have to really look through it, but I think he's playing, he's giving you the production of a top 20, top 25-ish player, maybe even better than that. So I just, they are the third and fourth best players in the series, but if, let's say you have two top 20 players, those are, I mean, those are two really good players to have right there. So maybe that, that those those top two, that gap isn't so big as, as it was. How big is the gap, Nikaias? I would say I understand the argument, honestly. I, th- uh, I mean, I do still think they're a tier or two apart. Like, nobody can dictate the flow of a game like LeBron can. And that's why even if he slowed down athletically like 5 or 6%, it just kind of doesn't matter because he can just kind of shape a game of his image. Mm-hmm. And with Anthony Davis being on the kind of hot streak that he's been on, um, on mid-range jumpers, he's pretty much – I mean, he's a three-level threat now. And there's really no comfortable way to guard him without sending an extra body at this point. Mm-hmm. fantastic lob threat, a guy that can get busy on the block. Um, you won't mistake him for Hakeem or anything like that, but I mean, he does have a couple moves that he can go to, and he's so long and has great touch, he can just kind of shoot over the top of defenders anyway. Um, the mid-range jumper is there now. Um, the Lakers are comfortable running pick and pops with him, and if you let him get his feet set, he has a silky smooth um, stroke, nice touch, so he can score that way. The Lakers let him run some pick and roll sometimes. Mike Bam, he'll grab a defensive rebound and push it run some screening actions like he he can do so many things and I the shooting from Jimmy the shooting slash scoring aggression from Bam even though he obviously stepped it up in these conference finals I still think they're kind of a ways away from being in that tier like the LeBron tier is the best player in basketball mm-hmm. Anthony Davis tier right now is number two number three number mm-hmm. four somewhere in there like, I'm looking at Jimmy and Bam as somewhere within that 10 to 15 range, which is still really, really good, mm-hmm. but it's not that. I mean, that is an awesome development for to us to be talking about Bam like that. Oh, yeah, it's absurd. Like, I don't know. Like, I feel like I've been – I mean, we've all been high on Bam just, like, mm-hmm. as a podcast. But, like, throughout the year, I've just been kind of like, hey, he's – uh, he's very quietly had a better year than Rudy Gobert, and Rudy Gobert's getting all these awards and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um and like I've always viewed Rudy Gobert as like a top fifteen guy, just because of the impact that he brings. So I think Bam being better than that this year, and now taking a mini leap as a scorer um, in that last series, like it's it's kind of scary to think about how good he's going to be. Nikai, so the other thing I wanted to ask you here was the whole thing with Anthony Davis, right? Like you know that you you talked about it. There's not really one way to guard him. That this matchup is going to be awkward for the Heat a little bit because obviously the Lakers play big, the Heat plays small and all of that. I was reading your piece earlier on Basketball News, this your scouting report from the Heat's perspective on how to guard the Lakers. And uh, something you mentioned was kind of shading Anthony Davis to his uh, left, I believe it was, because he wants to go to his right. Yes. And I know that's something that the Heat are for sure going to drill down, just like in any other scouting report. But what I did want to ask here was the zone stuff. I'm, I'm really interested in this because uh, 
and, and I know you talked about that as well in your in your article for Basketball News. But the zone, I'm really like I I do want the Heat to run to run it, but I'm scared of them running it for more than two or three minutes at a time, just because I'm scared of LeBron <laughs> kind of picking it apart within that time. And you know whether it's him getting into the middle or AD getting into the middle or at the end of the day, if uh, they kind of play up a little bit once those guys get to the middle and Dwight Howard and JaVale get lobs or Dwight Howard and JaVale get offensive rebounds, like I feel like it can kind of go both ways. Mm-hmm. Do you, there's something in me that makes me feel like the effectiveness of the zone is really what swings this series as far as can the Heat really win it or not. Like, How do you feel about how the zone will actually play out in regards to Anthony Davis and in regards to the Lakers in general? Um, I think, I mean, I do agree with you that I think the effectiveness of the zone is going to kind of swing the series. The Lakers haven't looked great against zone in the postseason, though we're dealing with a smaller sample. And just looking back through both games during the regular season, it's hard to take much of anything from it just because the personnel is so different. I mean, the a lot of Myers happened, Leonard and Chris Silva. Yeah, like the games happened in November and December. Like, we, it's just an entirely different team for both honestly but uh what did stand out to me is that like as the heat played more zone throughout the year they kind of settled in on the two three and is they had some matchup principles some man principles sprinkled in but it was always a two three going back through those uh those earlier matchups the heat were running a lot of three two which was interesting to me that they kind of brought those guys higher up and as you mentioned that can open up some lob opportunities um the Lakers weren't super effective shooting against either zone, the 2-3 or the 3-2. But um, they were able to kind of get busy on the offensive glass after misses, especially when Miami was in that 3-2. So as you mentioned, like, I think those those lob opportunities are going to be there if they're able to drive the zone. Um, I think it's going to be an interesting game within the game in that regards because, as you saw in the Boston series, when Miami went zone with a guy like Semi Ojale on the court who isn't a shooter – it helped them shrink the floor a little bit more while also yep. kind of covering those gaps. Um, in a vacuum, you would want to have a – you kind of play it the same way with John Rondo on the court because I'm, though he's shooting, what, like a shade under 45% from three this postseason, which is absurd. But in general, like he has the track record of a non-shooter. You kind of let him fire, and if he beats you, then whatever. Um, what, scared, what should scare the Heat in that regard is that if John Rondo is a ball handler against the zone, he is still quick enough to kind of attack those seams and get into the heart of it. And then if they – if once he gets into the seam, then you're looking at loss for Anthony Davis, loss yep. for Dwight Howard if he's in, loss for JaVale McGee. So I think Rajon Rondo against the zone specifically is going to be what kind of swings it. Because I don't think the Heat are going to go to it with the starting lineup. I mean, if you have uh, – if it's Bron, Brow, I guess Dwight or JaVale, whoever they start, and then the two guards are Danny Green and KCP – and they both can shoot well, I don't think you can afford to really run zone. Not, not I mean, maybe sporadically, but you don't want to do it too much because there's a lot set up there. And LeBron's going to be your ball handler there anywhere, and that's probably your worst shooter. Um, so I think you're going to see more zone when the Lakers go to that Rondo Caruso backcourt. And from there, it's going to be interesting to see how effective Rondo is against it. Because if Rondo can't knock down shots or if, if the Heat do a good enough job of containing him and not letting him get into the middle, then I think we can see a situation where the Lakers' offense really gets gummed up. One of the things you mentioned uh, there that I didn't want to sort of lose sight of is, is talking about Bam as a top 15 player. And before we go to break here, was Chris Bosh ever a top 10 player during the Big Three era? I don't think so. Like, I think he was closer to 15 than he was to 10. Um, 
though I've always gotten a little bit of pushback when I've made that assertion, like talking about the big three era, talking about Bosch on Twitter, it's always felt like the narrative around the big three coming together was that all three guys were top 10 when they got together. And I never really saw that from Bosch, even though he was really good in Toronto. So I don't, I don't think Bosch was ever top 10. Yeah. That's interesting. I think that's yeah, fair. I mean, I mean, it's interesting because it was, they were considered to be overwhelming you know, when they got together. But I think part of that was on the premise that Chris was a top 10 player. And he had just actually, gotten that, that, that really big uh, statistical season that last season in Toronto mm-hmm. is when he put up like 24 and 12 or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. But he, be- but he became a better player with Miami. That's the thing. Like he, he became, I mean, defensively, there was no comparison between second year in Miami and last year in Toronto. Right. I mean, so he was actually mm-hmm. a better player, even though the numbers were not there, but I, I would agree. I, I don't know that he ever quite, crack top 10 I think the feeling was that he would crack top 10 in the post LeBron era uh, but then obviously we never got to see it all right we're going to get into the rest of this because the top four were easy co- comparable to uh to what we're going to be talking about here uh, this is going to get much 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 more complicated for us as we go forward but want to tell you about another great sponsor of the five reasons sports network and that's you break wheel fix which is located just south of Aventura in North Miami, 15 years of experience in wheel repair and refinishing. They do repair of cracked, bent, curbed, and damaged wheels. They also do refinishing and powder coating back to factory specifications, along with over 5,000 available custom colors. Theme wheel colors after your favorite South Florida teams, including the Miami Heat. They have the vice colors. So check them out at ubreakwheelfix.com. That's ubreakwheelfix.com. The phone number is 305 748 zero one one two that's three oh five seven four eight zero one one two you break wheel fix.com all right let's get to uh the next part of this which is going to be a lot more challenging so we have lebron and ad in some order lebron likely first bam and butler in some order i think all of us kind of agree that bam is now first so who's fifth here who is next on your list you can draft one guy here alex who do you take oh man put me on the spot but i'm gonna have to go Goran Dragic. i think he needs to be the third all-star just like he kind of has been for the most part throughout this playoff run and i know goron as an older player might not give you that 20 points or you know that that the big contribution every single game like he's gonna have some nice where where like last night, or I mean, like last game, we saw him get benched for Duncan Robinson, which has really not been the case for most of this playoff run. But I do think for the Heat to come out and beat the Lakers, he needs to be their third best player consistently, right? Uh, and, and I think, like, they don't have the same – I mean, I don't know, right? Because there's no Kemba Walker for Dragic to pick at. And I, I, I don't know. So I don't know if I'm going to say that he's going to have a better series than he did last series. But I just don't really trust the Lakers perimeter defenders like I do the Celtics, you know, not one bit, especially since Avery Bradley's out like Caruso and Rondo are doing a solid job. You know, KCP is okay. But those guys don't really scare me. So I think there's going to be a lot of pick and roll with Dragic. I think that's a really easy way to get him going, especially since Bam is such a good screener and roller. Like the pick and roll stuff, it's just never been simpler for him, especially now that he has that jumper that he can kind of pull off whenever the drive isn't there. So I think uh, we're going to – it does make a lot of sense to see a lot of that uh, Dragic pick and roll. And because of that, I think he's going to get going. I think he should be the third best player throughout this. And he is the fifth best player in the series. Nikias, I feel like you may argue with this. Uh, it's funny because I was actually toggling between Goran and Hero for this. 
Oh. Uh, yeah, uh, cannot say that I, w- I expected to be here uh, at the beginning of the season. <laughs> no, no, Remember I was going to say, those guys? would be the two least likely <laughs> options for, for you to go to, I would think, at this point. I, I, you actually probably would have got to solid. Well, he, was, he wasn't on the heat at the time, but we thought, it, we, thought, we thought it would be justice in this spot. It wasn't going to be Tyler Hero or, or Gora Dragic. Yeah, like, I, I do ultimately agree with Alex. I do think it's going to be Goran. Um, he has the pedigree. He's had some big games during his postseason. Um, he brings a calmness as a pick-and-roll ball handler that uh, even though a guy like Hero has done a phenomenal job in in sport in spurts, um, you saw like at the end of game six or the second half of game six where he's just getting his uh, – he's just getting his pocket picked uh, multiple times. Like there are those kind of lapses. Um, there's still some situations to where he's kind of hesitant. He's looking for – He's doing a little bit too much dribbling, a little too much of the hesitation stuff instead of just taking the advantage that defense gives. Um, so I do think there's still just a level of stability that Goran Dragic brings with the ball in his hands that Hero doesn't have yet. And Goran, I think, is still the better finisher or at least the most tr- the more trusted finisher. Um, Hero's had some fantastic flashes during this postseason. Uh, but I, I do think the pick-and-roll craft of Goran Dragic kind of gives him a slight edge right now. Yeah, I will go with Goran also um, for a lot of the reasons you talk about, sort of the calmness, uh, but also uh, the consistency of the scoring burst that he's had in the postseason. And also, you go back to that Laker game on the road, and I know we're talking months and months and months and months and months ago, but the Heat were stuck in mud in that game in L.A., and Goran is the one who got them back in it. And that, that is stuck out. That, that's just sort of – and he didn't play in the home game against the Lakers, I don't believe. And I do think that made a difference. I'm going to go with Goron there, although I certainly can see Hero taking it over. I mean, to me, next on the list, and this is why I think this is an interesting exercise, is Tyler Hero. I, I think it's Goron and then Hero is five and six. And, and, you know, by, by the end of this series, we would be talking about Hero a little bit higher. But there is nobody um, on the Lakers, and, and I'm sorry, it's not Kyle Kuzma, uh, who, you know, is, can, is as explosive offensively. And Kuzma doesn't have the other elements of his game, in my opinion, that Tyler has already shown here in the bubble. So, I mean, Tyler Hero on, on the Lakers, uh, if, it was, if he was there instead of Kuzma, he would be their third scorer, no question. And I actually think he'd be a better option to play with the two of them. Uh, could it be anybody else but Hero, Nikias? Um, just the next guy on my list who I'll tease, but I do have Hero next on my list as well. So I will uh, leave it there for now. Yeah, Alex? I'm in the same place, man. I mean, Hero's the next guy for me. It's definitely not Kuzma. That's for sh- damn sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be a while before I get to Kuzma. Well, well, but I'm looking at the Lakers numbers, and again, points per game is not everything, right? But I mean, just to put this into some perspective. The scoring in the playoffs, Anthony Davis at 28-8, LeBron at 26-7, Kuzma at 10.5. Um, okay, and then KCP at 9.9. Now, Kuzma's shooting 46% from the field, but he's only shooting 31% from three in the hmm. bubble with, with three rebounds, less than an assist, nothing obviously in the steal and block categories um and he's only playing 23 and a half minutes a game which i that stunned me he's actually uh he's actually right now seventh on the lakers in minutes per game 
Um, and he was supposed to be their third option, I guess. But I remember, he's, he's they were throwing seventh. him into those graphics like he was a third star. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's seventh in minutes. And, and you're talking about that as compared to a Heat team where they've had three different guys lead them in scoring in the three different series, right? They, they, it, was, uh, it, was, it was Dragic, Butler, and Bam in the three different series. And it wouldn't stun me if they had a fourth. Like, it wouldn't stun me if Duncan Robinson ends up being – probably not going to happen, but if Duncan Robinson was the fourth in the next series. Um, so I don't have Kuzma there. And, 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 you know, with Hero's progression averaging 18.5 in the last series and really only having sort of one real down game in there, it's clear if it's – if Dragic is five, Hero is six. So let's keep doing this. Nikias, who is seven? Uh, I have KCP at seven. Okay. Um, I think even with the the points per game that you uh, just noted, I think he has been he's been the Lakers' third best player for me. Um, he has been pretty darn good defensively. Um, he has served his role as not just a spot up guy, but a guy that they run off of these wide pin downs, off of these uh, off of these floppy actions and stuff like that. Like he's been their best movement shooter as well. Is he the only guy they do that for from their shooters? Um, they also do it with Danny Green, but Danny Green has just been wildly inconsistent throughout this postseason run. He's been wildly inconsistent throughout just this season in general, which it feels like he's kind of due for a big stretch of games where he just can't miss. Oh, which, no. I mean, we've, we've seen that. <laughs> Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. In the finals before. Danny Green in the finals? <laughs> Never, right? But, uh, yeah, I mean, they do it with those two. But, like, KCP has been really good as a movement shooter, uh, can make basic reads once he gets downhill. You get those two-on-ones for him. Um, can toggle between three different perimeter def- positions on the defensive end. Uh, I think he he's really been a stabilizing force, which is funny because he's kind of been the guy throughout his career that has these wild highs and wild lows. So it's kind of been interesting to see him kind of put it all together under the radar this year for the Lakers. Did you make a case for someone else, Alex? Honestly, this is tough. Because I think KCP has been good for the Lakers. He's probably been their best shooter, even though Danny Green has a reputation of it. Uh, And yes, I am still scared of Danny Green a little bit. Still traumatized by the, you know, the finals for the Heat's first finals. But I think the next guy here, I think I'm still going to go Duncan Robinson, man. I still, there's something about the Lakers, man, that I think Duncan is going to go off. I'm not sure he's going to be the regular season Duncan, but I think we're going to have more of the games that he had. Uh, you know, like against uh, Game Seven. I mean, Game Six versus Boston. I think they're going to be, especially since they're playing kind of a, a, a traditional big man in every lineup machination. Other than when AD is at the five, I just think they're going to be dropping a lot. I think there's going to be plenty of options for Duncan Robinson to get his shot off, and I think he's just a tremendous shooter. Obviously, a way better shooter than Ken Kentavious Caldwell Pope, and I think. Because of the two teams' uh, defenses and what they give up, I think Duncan Robinson is going to be more effective than KCP in this series. So I'm going to put him. I do think these are the two options, and it's just crazy that, you know, in a series that has Dwight Howard, you know, we're going to get to him a lot later. Uh, I do think they're the two options. I I also think it's nuts 
that we are characterizing KCB as, as being reliable and consistent because uh, he has been one of the streakiest players in the league over the past three years. It's like him and Danny Green like flip-flopped, right? Well, they, they did, but Danny, look, the crazy thing is Danny Green actually has gotten the three-point shooting percentage up over 36. So, I mean, for that stretch he went through early in the bubble, it's actually come up quite a bit in the playoffs. Uh, Pope's at, at 42. Um, obviously, KCP's a, a, a solid defender. He's playing 28 minutes a game. He's also um, – it's, it's, this is also interesting, although Danny Green plays so much with the starters, but in terms of, uh, of just net rating, uh, Danny Green is actually, uh, well, he's actually ahead of LeBron, so I don't know how much we want to put into that. But, uh, but, but, uh, but KCP has been, been a real positive there, as has Caruso. Uh, and I'm, I'm torn on Duncan Robinson because I feel, going, looking back at it, Duncan made a, a tangible impact in terms of making you know the, the threes at the rate that we anticipated really in, in four of the playoff games. Uh, it has not been as many as we anticipated, but of course he opens things up for everybody else in a way the that – is still there even if he's yeah, not hitting all those shots. Yeah, in a way that KCP does not. And so exactly. Do, if, if I'm to say – obviously KCP is a better defender, but if I'm to say one of these two guys is going to steal a finals game – I'm leaning towards Duncan Robinson, and that's why I would put him seventh because I, I do think he'll get one. I think there's going to be one game where he makes five or six threes. You know, we're talking to George a little about this. This is, you know, the, the Lakers, for all their strengths defensively, they do give up some threes. Um, and, and I do think that with a focus on other players that, that Duncan is going to get loose a little bit. And so I'm going to go with him seven. It may feel like a little bit of a homer pick to go five, six, seven here, but, again, that's kind of the point of the exercise. So if all of us are saying it's Dunk, if you're saying KCP seven, Nikias is Duncan eight. Uh, he is not for me. No. Oh, yeah. okay. Full disclosure. I have Duncan at 10. Okay. Uh, eight for me is Dwight Howard. Oh, I thought you were going to go Danny green. Uh, no, I'm going to go Dwight at eight. Like the antics with Jokic aside. The and I guess that includes some boneheaded fouls to where he's trying to be an enforcer when he's not that guy. Oh, I thought you were whatever. talking about the, the Joker stuff that just completely <laughs> didn't land. Oh, <laughs> oh gosh, like as a, as a resident, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, like as a resident corny man, like I'm sympathetic to that, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but like even I have even I have a line, like that's Dwight, Dwight's kind of stepped over that line. I don't, I don't think that hit the way he wanted it to but whatever you know i appreciate that for it but no like outside of those antics like dwight has been really freaking good like he flat out bullied nikola Jokic, like crushed the nuggets on the offensive glass and the defensive glass he still gets busy as a roller in pick and roll um the screening has been better um he's actually shown some more he's shown some more mobility than we've seen in recent years to where the Lakers, they still drop him, but he's able to play higher. Um, we saw it in the back end of that uh, Western Conference Finals where he's playing a little bit higher against those Jamal Murray pick and rolls. So, like, Is that why they, that. they started him over McGee? Yeah, because, like, JaVale just can't do it. Like, JaVale is just a bunch of – like, JaVale is basically – if Derrick Jones Jr. was actually a center, I feel like that's kind of what JaVale is, just just nothing but arms and legs. And, like, he's he's only coordinated to a point. Like, he can jump higher than you, but he, him navigating space is just kind of an issue. Yeah. So, I think, uh, yeah, Dwight's been more trusted in that regard. And 
like he he's just kind of killed it in his role. Like he settled in as a guy. He doesn't want those postos with those weird looking sweeping hooks like he mm-hmm. did in his you know in his earlier days. He settled in as setting hard screens, rolling hard to the basket, cleaning the glass, and then punking dudes on the other end of the floor. And I think this is definitely a series to where he can have an impact. Um, if he does start, he has the physicality to to bang with Bam. Um, Bam may still get the better of him because Bam is still quicker. He's more skilled. He can still, you know, he can bait Dwight into those kind of fouls. But just from a physical standpoint, like, I think Dwight can stick with Bam in a way that a guy like Daniel Tice couldn't. And on the other end, again, it's like like we talked about a little bit earlier, if the Heat do goes on and he's in there, like, he's going he's gonna to clean up down there. So I think this is this is setting up to be a good series for Dwight. Dwight, uh, I have a video. I'm glad we talked about Dwight a little bit because I got a video from Dwight from earlier this season when the Lakers were in town gushing about Bam. And I know, obviously, there's the facial similarity between the two of them, so <laughs> that, that, that comparison is made. Uh, but he, he was, I mean, I, I mean, he was talk. It, it was legit. Like, he was not just playing it up for the reporters. Like, he, th- he fought a lot of Bam, and again, that's a lot earlier – in Bam's development than where we are right now. Um, I, I, you know, you, you've made a good case for Dwight to be in the top 10 because I don't even know that I had him there. But you're right. If his minutes increase from the 17 he's averaging in the, in the playoffs, if, if, and they're able to go two bigs, which forces Miami to maybe do some things that they don't want to do, which is Kelly Olenek minutes, uh, you know, for any significant period of time, maybe even some occasional Myers Leonard minutes, then Dwight's going to have a big impact on the series. So I, I could go there, I guess. Um, and you got Duncan Robinson 10. So why don't you just fill it out? Who's, who's ninth? And then Alex and I'll try to fill out our list. Uh, ninth for me was Danny green. Okay. Um, I think he had, he has been an underwhelming shooter. Uh, throughout the season, at least to his level, like he's still a plus guy, but he just hasn't been what we saw last year in Toronto where he had basically the best shooting season of his life. Um, but he still does so much. Um, he's been huge for LeBron, like as a spacer, as a guy that can kind of relocate once the, once the pain is collapsed by LeBron or Anthony Davis. Um, teams kind of send extra attention to them. He knows how to feel space there. And then late in games, when LeBron wants to just go into predatory mode and just kind of hunt mismatches, Danny Green is the best guard screener they have. Danny Green is probably the best guard screener in the league, honestly. Um, he just does a great job of angling his body and creating contact in a way that like smaller guards can't hedge and recover like teams want to do against LeBron to kind of avoid mm-hmm. that switch. Danny Green is fantastic at forcing the switch with a screen and then has fantastic footwork to kind of pop out depending on where they're running the action. So he has those easy catching those easy catch and shoot opportunities there. And he has been pretty darn good defensively as well. Uh, not too, not necessarily an all defensive team level like we've seen in the past, but maybe a notch below that um, can still kind of flow between three different positions. Fantastic transition defender. Uh, that, that I don't think that's going to go away ever. Honestly, I, I don't know how he stops <laughs> these two on one breaks the way that he does. It's crazy. Yeah. So like, it's just, he's just one of those guys, like we talk about Duncan Robinson and how he makes an impact like just his sheer gravity makes things easier just because you have to account for him. Um, I don't think Danny Green is that level of a threat offensively, but he does so many different things offensively. Like the Heat don't use Duncan as a screener as often as the Lakers use Danny Green. So he has more of an impact there. Um, both, of them, both of those guys do kind of like the relocation stuff, but I think the Lakers may have an easier time collapsing the paint than the Heat will. 
And then defensively, it's not really close. Like Danny Gray is just a much better defender than Duncan Robinson is. So I think that's why I have Danny over Duncan right now. How do you fill out your list, Alex? So to fill out my list, I had – so we, I had, we had gone through seven already or eight? I think you'd gone through seven. Let's let's total it up. You had uh, you had Dragic and Hero, uh, like like I did. And then Duncan. You, had, you also had Duncan seven, like I did. So where did you go from there? Eight, nine, so ten. The rest of my list, it's honestly really tough. I think I'm going to stick with KCP and Danny Green in there, and then tenth would either be. I, I think I'm going to have to put Dwight, man, just because he's the one that's actually produced more. But I was really kind of going back and forth between him and Crowder. I still might think Crowder is there, uh, but the drop off has made me a little bit <laughs> has made me a little bit shaky on him. Just because to me, it's kind of like Crowder slash Iguodala. It's not really about mm-hmm. one or the other necessarily. It's about which one is playing and who's playing better in the moment. Uh, I think it kind of go either way. But the Dwight thing is going to be. I, I want to say Dwight just because I think the offensive rebounding stuff is going to be huge for the Lakers in this series, and he's going to be probably the one grabbing the most of those, especially since it appears that they like to play him more than JaVale now ever since last series. And he's kind of been the better center all year. But then the Danny Green stuff, I think is interesting to me because he has had that fall off. But what Nikaias was talking about with having Danny Green screen for LeBron, it's obviously an action we've seen the Heat do with Dragic screening for Jimmy, especially a lot during that Buck series. And we're obviously going to see a lot of the Danny Green screening for LeBron stuff. And, and you mentioned they can't do a hard show and recover or, or else, you know, you're going to get burned, right? What do you think is the best way for the Heat to neutralize that on defense? Uh, yeah, like I wrote about it a little bit um, in the scouting report. I think, honestly, you sell out. You just trap LeBron if he does that. He especially likes to run that on the wings. It kind of makes it harder to trap there. But I think you just you sell out. And if uh, Danny Green, like, slips instead of popping out, then if Danny Green can beat you on four and three reads, then you tip your cap to him. Like, he just hasn't been that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, yeah, I think you just you just trap those. And if you're in a situation to where Rondo or Caruso is also on the court instead of KCP, or even if it is those guys and they're going smaller with Broward to five or whatever, if you have a non-shoe on the floor, it kind of makes it easier to kind of rotate behind the trap because you're just rotating off a guy that can't shoot. Yep. So I I think that's the way to go. I don't think you try to you try to game that with like hedge and recover because LeBron, this, Danny Green's a fantastic screener, and then even if the the show does come, like LeBron just puts you on his hip, and then from there, like good luck. Yeah, exactly. He's going so to I, the line. Yeah, like just yeah, you just just trap him, get the ball out of his hands, and trust your rotations. Like Miami's been fantastic at rotating behind those kind of traps, um, scram switching when it's necessary. So I think you, you just bring the pressure and make someone else beat you. Well, I, I think as we start to go through this 10, you know, basically, Nikias totaling it up here. You've got five and five, uh, pretty evenly spread. I mean, you got the, the top two being the Lakers, then next to Miami, and then you have Duncan 10th. So actually you have him as the fifth guy. Uh, Alex, it also sounds like you're going five. You're going. I don't five want to say five. that. I, I would have. Now I feel bad because I would have wanted to say that he'd have the next six best <laughs> well, players. Well, that's so. well, that, well. Let's let's get to it because you have right now, and you have, but you have Can Duncan higher. You have Duncan higher, so you have a little bit more of a balance towards the Heat once you get past the the, the next couple. Um, I look at it, and and I actually am going to throw uh, Crowder in the mix here at, at ten. So I so basically I've got I've got Duncan at seven. Um, I have, uh, I've got KCP at eight. I'm, I'm going to go with Dwight 
at nine because Nikias just talked me into it. And I'm going to go with Jay at 10 and have Danny Green out of my top 10. Um, oh. uh, the, the, uh, I understand a lot of the things you guys are saying, but I also think uh, the, the shooting slumps we've seen him be prone to uh, in the bubble uh, would concern me. I think that Heat fans are, are freaked out because they're thinking of 2014 Danny Green. And I, I don't know that that guy is in there consistently. Can you blame us? Anymore. No, I get it, but I mean, Patty Mills is not walking through that door either. So I, I, I How think about Gary Neal? Did the Lakers I, get him on a minimum yet? Well, Gary, where is Gary Neal, by the way? What happened to Gary you, Neal? By the way, did you see that somebody said it was uh, that uh, this Lakers team is just filled with guys from different stops that have really like different uh, LeBron obstacles in his career? And they filled it out like there's a representative from each of these teams. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, no, no, no. He yeah, he went out. Yeah, he went out and got all his. I mean, well, he had Lance Stevenson with him for a little while, right? So I mean, oh he's, yeah, he's he's mm -hmm. always he's always grabbed those kind of players. The players you would say he would never ever play with, he ends up playing with. I mean, he was not a huge fan of Dwight at one point either. He was not a big fan of Rondo's, um, although he did he did sort of gush about his his basketball IQ. And, He's and, the only other guy on the team who could dribble and make passes. Right, right. Well, exactly. Well, well you got to have one. Um, but, but yeah. I, so I'm going six versus four here. But, but it's not. It's not tilted in a big direction. And the reason I'm going with Jay is because even with the shooting regression back to the mean we've had, uh, he has been so important to them in terms of being able to size down. He he may even in the game game He's five still scoring on cuts was, a lot. Well, even in game five where he was dreadful from three, you know, he's still, like you said, he did score on cuts. He found a way to get to the basket. And I, I just think he's, he's unlocked a lot of things for them. Um, after the break, I, I want to do two things. I want to see if there's anybody else who we think who would be the most likely to make an impact who's not in our top ten. And also I want to do the comps to the 2004 and 2011 teams that I talked about. Before we do, though, I want to tell you about another great sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network. Miami Heat culture has just once again proved to the world and maybe even to ESPN, although probably not, that discipline, preparation, full-time maximum effort, and perseverance are the pillars of success. When you hire Eric Brown at FiveReasonsRealtor.com, that's right, spell it out, F-I-V-E, ReasonsRealtor.com, the official realtor of the Five Reasons Sports Network. You've engaged a professional who admires and embraces these principles with several years of experience representing clients that include celebrities, executives, and professional athletes, as well as first-time homebuyers, uniquely combined with a business school education and a mindset like that defining heat culture. Eric Brown provides an unmatched level of service. So if you consider selling or buying a home in South Florida or just want to know what your property is worth, contact Eric at 305 9679089305967 or go to fivereasonsrealtor.com if he can't help you he'll recommend someone who can how about that find out how this specialized professional business approach provides real value for you eric brown at fivereasonsrealtor.com the official realtor of the five reasons sports network all right so give me a name here one you can only choose one one name that we have not mentioned, we've kind of named 11 guys for 10 spots. Who's the, who's the one? Is it Caruso? Is it Iguodala? Is it Rondo? Is it Olenek? I, I, you know, who, who's going to be the player that makes an impact on this series that we have not talked about? Or, by the way, none of us mentioned Kuzma, right? <laughs> yeah. None, none of us had Kuzma as top 10. So you can only choose one, Nikias. Who, who's the one? Uh, well, number 11 on my list was Andre Iguodala, so I guess it, it kind of has to be him by default. Um, there's 
some very obvious history between him, like defending LeBron um, there on those Warriors teams. Um, I think he's going to have an impact there. And I mean, he's been a part of Miami's closing lineups. So um, it's, it's probably safe to say that he's going to be in those lineups, especially if Jay Crowder doesn't find his three point stroke. Um, Bidiglaw just kind of brings a basketball IQ that they need. Um, solid screener, solid ball mover can read defenses in a, in a way that um, other players on the on the roster can't. Um, he's kind of in the most positive way possible. He's kind of Miami's Rondo in that way, to where oh, he's man. kind of he's kind of a he's a connector on offense, especially when Miami goes to those bench units. If Jimmy or Bam is on the floor, or when both of those guys are off the floor. And you kind of have Goran kind of shouldering the load. Andre Iguodala is a guy that can make plays and seize the court and kind of can direct traffic when um, the offense gets gummed up. So, again, I mean that in only positive ways because I, uh, I am not very high on Rondo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's Iguodala. His defense and the way that he, uh, the way that he makes plays on the offensive end, I think, puts him there. Yeah, I'm in the same place. Uh I was, you know, as I said, I think Dwight was my tenth. I was going back and forth between him or putting one of Crowder Iguodala. But I'm thinking Iguodala here, man. I think uh, especially if Crowder isn't hitting over 40% from three, like he has all this time, if if the gap between their shooting isn't as big as it was before, I, I still favor Iguodala. I, I've kind of said that since the trade here that I, he's the one I trust more defensively, even though I do think Crowder has shown a lot here defensively and just did an amazing job uh, doing what he could against Giannis and when they, they're all kind of following the defensive game plan stuff to a T. The, the discipline is there, and playing with Jimmy and Bam has been great for them. But Iguodala, even at 36, is the one that I trust more as a defender. I don't trust him more as a shooter, but as a defender, I, I kind of trust him to have more length and, and, you know, the defensive IQ to really follow a game plan to a T. And I think he's going to be really important to whatever game plan they're throwing out at, at, at any moment when he's on the floor. I just think he is somebody who... I probably trust still LeBron more than anybody on this team, even though we uh, we mentioned on the Sedano pod that uh, Jimmy and Jay Crowder have some like really good defensive field goal percentages against LeBron. I think Iguodala has the most size and length and obviously the reps of playing LeBron over and over. So I just think I wouldn't be surprised if he's getting like 25 minutes a game in this series. Maybe he doesn't, right? But I think this is what they brought him for, right? Like he's actually here in the finals Versus LeBron, again, it's like Iguodala just can't get a break. He just can't get to the finals without LeBron being there other than last year, I guess. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he just had a huge series. And, and I think they need him to be really good as a 3 and D guy for them to win. This is a really tough call um, because as much as I've criticized Kuzma, I can see him having a couple 20-point games in this series that change the narrative on him a little bit because they do need scoring from a third option at times, and he could be that third option. I'm not a believer in Rondo at this stage. I think Caruso will give Miami some problems at times also. So that's a name that I considered. And I kind of feel like I do feel like Kelly Olenek is going to do something before the postseason's over with. So, but it really does come down to Iguodala versus Kuzma for me. And I'm going to, I'm going to lean Kuzma on this one. Um, Although I, I obviously I see all the intangibles with Iguodala but here's one of the things that would concern me when it comes to Iguodala. Knowing LeBron like I do and being around him during that 2015 finals where he felt like he was robbed of the MVP and was very loud about it publicly, but especially behind the scenes, 
You know, if you remember, there was no Kyrie, there was no love, and LeBron had to do everything himself in that series. And then Iguodala, I mean, was deserving to a degree, but, I mean, look at LeBron's numbers in that series. And Iguodala ended up getting it essentially because he was inserted into the starting lineup by Steve Kerr, and, and he outperformed offensively relative to what he typically does while defending LeBron, while LeBron was still getting numbers. I just have a bad feeling about LeBron just destroying Iguodala in this series. Like that, this has been festering for five years. Iggy has finally at a point. I mean, LeBron didn't see him in the finals last year, but Iggy has. Uh, I know he doesn't like Iggy, so I won't call him that. Iguodala has uh, has declined enough over the past two three years, uh, at, relative to LeBron, that LeBron can take advantage of him in some ways. And so because of that, although I do think Spolster will lean on him and his experience, and he'll probably have some corner threes and some other things, I'm going to lean Kuzma just because I think Kuzma is the only guy that we're talking about here beyond that group that could provide that relief 18 to 20 uh, in a game that helps get them over the hump. So I'm going to go with him. All right, so for the most part, though, I think we all agree that maybe Miami has the better depth of players, although maybe not Nikias doesn't agree quite to the degree that, that Alex and I do. Let's make the comp here. Is there anything to the comparison, Nikias, to the 2004 Pistons or even to the 2011 Mavericks in terms of, you know, in one case, you know, the Lakers were considered the, the star power team, the celebrity team, kind of like the Lakers are now. Uh, back back in 2004, and and the Heat were considered the star power team in 2011, the top heavy team, so to speak. Um, I think if you're making that kind of comparison, I think 2011 is going to be closer. Um, the 04 Lakers are obviously top heavy, but they had so many chemistry concerns, and then also had the injury to Carl Malone that kind of uh, torpedoed what little bit of depth behind Kobe and Shadow they had. Um, I don't think the Lakers have that. They have a pretty they're they have a big two, obviously, but they're also a pretty tight knit group and they have really good defense and you know that I I think that comparison kind of falls apart. Twenty eleven is more interesting because I think again they're top heavy with LeBron and A D and then there are some of the depth questions. And for the Heat kind of operating as that twenty eleven Maverick Carbon operating as a twenty eleven Mavericks in that case. Um I mean, there's a star big man, so we can start there. Um, Miami is deep. They are very well coached. And on top of being very well coached, that kind of goes into what the Mavericks did with their zone. The Heat are probably going to try to do similar things with their zone. So I think 2011 is probably going to be the closest comparison there. Yeah, I would have said the same thing. I like the 2011 comparison better. I just think uh, – the way that those teams play are, are are more similar to each other as, as far as the 11 Mavericks and this team's and this year's Heat team. And I just – I hate talking about the 2011 Mavericks. It was a really dark time, but that team was damn good. And just like this team, they were very deliberate in, you know, having just a lot of different ways that they could score, a lot of different defensive game plans that they could stick to and be effective at, a lot of different veterans. I, I think that's a better – like, aren't they the team you think of when, when you think of, like, 2000s basketball where, like, the final score was 74 to 71 mm. or something like that? Maybe I'm exaggerating. But uh, that's the team that I think of. Like, the Pistons are not a scoring team to me, and the, the C team is. And that's why I like the Mavericks stuff better. I, I, I would even compare them more to last year's Raptors than the 04 mm-hmm. Pistons team, even though that's not a great comparison either, just because the Raptors had, like, you know, up and down A defenders. 
I, I just think uh, this that Mavericks team w- was very deliberate on offense and just had a million different ways that they could outscore you while also being good enough on defense, whereas the Pistons were kind of the opposite. Where they were just going to overwhelm you on defense every single time. Yeah, I, I, I think if you look at the, uh, the 2011 comparison specifically, and I, I think it is more apropos than 2004, although most people are making the 2004 comparison. The, if you look at 2011 specifically, I mean, the one difference is that the, the power team, the celebrity team, the favorite team, in that case had three stars. This Laker team has two, uh, which is more consistent with what the NBA looked like this year when no team really had three elite guys um, I, I guess the, the key difference there is I don't think anybody expects LeBron to go catatonic like he did in 2011, right? Like he, even though, even though he may not be as athletically gifted as he was at that point, uh, certainly mentally and emotionally, he's come a long way in the past nine years, but, but again, there was no Bosch, right? So uh, there is no Bosch on this team. So I, if you're going to say that, that Anthony Davis, at least in terms of being the sidekick is the Wade, maybe not positionally, but, Otherwise, you know, Kuzma is not Bosch. And I think that Laker fans tried to make him Bosch all year. We have a third guy, and they don't have a third guy. They might have if they still had Brandon Ingram. I, I do think on the other side, if you compare these Heat to those Mavericks, you know, one thing is you've got a guy in Jason Terry and Tyler Hero. Um, there is a comp there, an electric score coming off the bench. Um, I, you know, obviously that team, though, you know, they had sort of one all-star um, in his prime, this team has two. This Heat team has two. That team had just Dirk. Um, that had, I guess, Jason Kidd was the, at that age is the current, what, Andre Iguodala, maybe. Um, I feel like that team had a lot of Jay Crowders, <laughs> right? Like, uh, I, Sean Marion at that stage was kind of a Jay Crowder. He wasn't the Sean Marion that we remember from Phoenix. So I do, I do think there are some comparisons. I actually think this Heat team has more layers than that Mavericks team did. Um, I don't think that this Heat team has a Dirk, right? But but they they do have more layers to it, so it's kind of an interesting uh, it's kind of an interesting comp. All right, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate it, and you can follow Nikias at Nikias NBA or on basketballnews.com. Alex and I will be back tomorrow uh, with more stuff. We're we're going to be rolling out more and more episodes, so check out uh, Sedano. Thanks to our sponsors, Five Reasons Realtor.com. Make sure you check that out. That's that's Eric Brown, also the Seltzer Mayberg Law Firm at OneCallLegal.com and YouBreakWheelFix.com. Also, should mention it, if you want to place any bets on this series, um, the Lakers are heavy favorites, as you know. They're also five-point favorites in game one. So they're five-point favorites in game one over at MyBookie.ag. Use the promo code FIVE on the floor. That's FIVE on the floor, and you will double your initial deposit. Um, so if you want to take a chance on the heat in this series, and make some money, definitely do that. Use the promo code five on the floor. We've also got a hundred thousand dollar super contest for only a ten dollar entry, and they're giving away five thousand dollars in cash prizes every four weeks. So go to mybookie.ag, use the promo code five on the floor. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to the five on the floor on the five regional sports network. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, 
offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.